This is Client Side from Fox Agency. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Tanya Jones is community and global talent partner at Farfetch. She is a passionate community builder and has worked with several leading global brands across building teams, excellent customer service, facility operations, scaling business and marketing strategy. Also, Farfetch is a leading global platform for the luxury fashion industry. Their mission is to be the global platform for luxury fashion, connecting creators, curators and consumers. Tanya Jones, welcome to ClientSide. Thanks, Nathan. I'm so happy to be here. Super excited to have you on the show, Tanya. Thank you very much for doing it. Let's start the conversation by talking about tech in India. Um, There are far more computer programmers than anywhere in the world. You create a a, a huge number of of graduates um, every single year. A ton of private equity investment has headed to India in recent years. What are the factors that have contributed towards the tech boom in India? Great question, uh, Nathan. So I think I think it's a bunch of different things, right? Uh, one is culturally in India, you either become a doctor or an engineer when you're growing up, right? <laughs> parents, that's what parents want you to do. Uh, so we have, of course, a lot of engineers that are, you know, in this market. And, you know, it's not just the quantity, but it's, I think, also the quality of people in terms of the education that they've been given. Uh, so what's actually happened is, you know, Companies in, in, in Silicon Valley, in, in, in the US, um, you know, startups in India, everybody has realized that, you know, this is the market for tech. So what's been happening in terms of hiring, uh, you know, when you look at the volumes that people are hiring for in terms of like data or engineering, you know, India has just become one of those markets that you would, you know, go to to find talent. Um, you know, we're doing that as well in, in, in Farfetch. Tech hubs. Uh, and smaller tech hubs is probably the way things are going. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, European companies, you know, looking at development centers in India or large, uh, you know, startups globally that are hiring from, from India or even the, the big startups. I mean, here you have, um, you know, a huge amount of companies that are focused on, on, on the tech space. Um, I think it's also in terms of quality and cost of talent. I think that's the second thing that is is important. Uh, you know, thirty percent salary premiums. You know, to attract targeted employees. You know, which is heating up the market as well. Um, and I think that's also leading to uh, you know a gap between supply and demand. <laughs> you know, in terms of uh, finding that 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 talent at a certain price. Uh, I think also uh, the market is sort of focused on. Um, retention of talent and uh, in the tech space so you know you're looking at 30 percent to 35 percent um you know salary increases over the last two years uh because of the demand for for tech talent in india hmm. we're going to come on to talk about talent attraction and keeping talent in, in a moment but before we do let's talk about farfetch a little bit more because it's an absolutely fascinating company i'm super in, in, interested in it you can tell I have no no fashion sense by looking at me right now, but I'm interested in fashion. Uh, not that I'm very good at executing, but but tell us a little bit more about about the company. It's a fascinating company. 
Uh, Farfetch is, I mean, it, it really is a very fascinating company. I mean, it's not only the largest fashion tech company globally, but, you know, we also have, uh, or the, let's say the reason why we say fashion tech is that the e-commerce part is not the only part of the business, right? I mean, of course, farfetch.com, you come out of the website, you have everything under the sun, right? So it's all boutiques that are across the globe that sell everything from your Gucci, Prada, Louis Vuitton, etc. But what's also interesting is that when we look at something called Farfetch Platform Solutions, right, uh, we essentially are working with pretty much every luxury fashion brand that you can think of to help them build a digital ecosystem. So from, you know, helping them build their website to providing them operation services, logistic services, uh, as well as creating interesting new age tech, right? When you look at AI, when you look at things like, um, you know, store the future that Farfetch created, you know, we have one for uh, Brown's Fashion in the UK, we have one for Chanel in Paris. I mean, this is like you walk into a store and the store is literally telling you what you should be shopping for. Sure. So that's like something that's very interesting that, that we do. But essentially, what we're doing is we're building a community of, you know, people, partners and customers uh, across the globe in shop. You talked about some of the trends that are happening in in technology, in, in fashion specifically, around kind of using AI, VR and, and AR to kind of create a more of immersive shopping experience, let's say, retail experience. Yeah. What are some of the other larger kind of macro trends in in fashion today, maybe just outline for the laggards and, and those of us not um, <laughs> as fashion conscious as, as we should be, kind of what are the more larger macro trends at, at play here? And we use that as a jumping off point. Yeah, so so I'll I'll give you my personal opinion on this because at the end of the day, I don't think I'm a big fashionista either. I mean, which is why I'm in the community <laughs> space at the company and not, uh, you know, a not designer. not not a fashion stylist. Right. Um, right. But if I had to think about like the fashion trends that you know that currently are really big, uh, one that I truly believe in a lot is, um, you know conscious fashion choices, right? So there's the whole sustainable production and circular fashion, which is essentially, um, you know, the, the the waste and how they're building these products, right? Uh, upcycle design, I think that's that's one of the big macro trends today. Uh, colorful bright, so, you know, it's all about like bold colors. Um, I think the other one I can think of is art through fashion. So a lot of like art design on like clothes that you're wearing. And uh, one that I suddenly find very interesting is chunky platform heels, because when you look at them, you're like, how is somebody even wearing this? I mean, this person is definitely going to fall. But I think that's another big uh, fashion trend that, that I see, um, you know, off late. Yeah, I mean, I think this is out of my head what I can think of. So as far as your role and responsibility at Farfetch, what, what does that look like? What does a community and global talent partner do? Uh, my role is actually very interesting at Farfetch. I do a little bit of everything. Uh, so community, I think, is a big part. Um, the India office is a tech hub, uh, you know, like I mentioned. So for us, it was a lot of building the team in India, uh, you know, building a community of Farfetchers. Uh, so I manage talent on uh, the data side for India as well as on global uh, data roles as well. Uh, in addition, I help with a strategy in the office in terms of like, what are we looking at building out in the India space? Uh, I also support with uh, DNI. Um, you know, that's another part that's that's super 
you know, important to me in an organization. And I'm so glad that Farfetch actually cares a lot about diversity and inclusion. Um, so I am the co-chair of one of our DNI communities, which is Farsip, which is for the South Asian network. Um, that's another part of what, um, you know, I support with. And in, in general, I think it's a little bit of people side come community building with like, you know, data community building as well uh, internally when we look at internal communications and how we're sort of building our brand, um, you know, internally for our, uh, our people. So let's talk a little bit about that in a bit more detail then. So um, talent, attracting talent and keeping talent, especially for global tech businesses, is a huge challenge. Um, even more so now, there are a number of kind of factors that have led to a number of people choosing where they want to work, who they want to work for. Maybe talk about how you're thinking about attracting and keeping the best talent for Farfetch. Great question. So, um, you know, in different countries, I think, uh, you know, talent is looked at, you know, or the importance of what an organization is giving is is different. I mean, when you look at it globally, I think the one thing that's super important to everybody is an inclusive company culture and representation is key to attract, you know, retain and uh, develop tech talent. Um, I think in in addition to that, you can think about um, salary, culture, flexibility. I think work from home uh, is the new trend, right? Everybody is is going into organizations that are comfortable with, you know, people working from home and working from office when they want to. So that flexibility, I think, is is super super important. Um, when I also said about inclusive company culture, I think, you know, DNI is is a big part of the way somebody looks at an organization. You know, is there representation of different cultures at, at different levels? You know, are there women in tech? Are there, you know, women at senior level uh, in the organization? Because that also showcases, you know, what the vibe of the company would be like, right? Um, I think other things that are important in terms of you know, keeping talented people is is definitely compensation and and fair compensation at at you know uh, I would say transparent compensation uh, you know at all levels, um, and then of course when you think about incentives, you're thinking about the different types of benefits that the organization gives you. Uh, in terms of, you know, you know, mental health awareness, you're talking about, you know, medical insurances, you're talking about, um, you know, smaller little things like, you know, uh, fitness and health, uh, you know, choices that the organization provides. I think these are some of the things that are, you know, important, uh, you know, when you're looking at hiring people. And then when it comes to the diversity and inclusion side, maybe let's un- unpack that a little bit, because we know what that means in in the UK, or I know what that means in the UK and and possibly North America, where a lot of our listeners are. Um, but what does that mean in India when it, it's such a diverse country, um, both from a religious point of view, from a uh, cultural point of view? Um, uh, talk about what diversity, equity, and inclusion means specifically in the Indian context. Yeah. So I think in terms of the India context, when you look at diversity and inclusion, um, you're thinking about fairness at all levels, right? You're thinking about the kind of people that work in the organization uh, at, at different departments, right? Whether you're in tech or non-tech. A lot of DNI also um, in India, like when you look at universities that teach engineering, you notice that it's more, it's 90% men and, you know, 10% women. And the same thing happens in 
in the company, right? Like you see more men in tech versus women. I think DNI for companies here also is ensuring that you have more women in tech. Um, I think the other part of diversity in 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 a place like India is India has so many different states, right? So it's also ensuring that when you're working in one part, um, you're also having different types of backgrounds, um, you know, in the organization and in the team. Uh, and it could mean, you know, diversity when it comes to um, different people from different states, or it could be different people from, uh, you know, different cultural right. aesthetics or, you know, ethics. I think it, it, it's a bunch of, you know, all of that, in, in my opinion. And how do you spot the difference between A players and, and B and C players? Because the difference between hiring, hiring an A player developer, let's say, versus a C player one can be drastic, both in terms of the opportunities missed and their ability to do their job at a really high level. What are some of the processes and, and interview techniques and skills that you're employing to make sure that you hire more A players rather than Cs? So I think uh, I think when it comes to tech, um, the number of applications, especially when you look at the market like India compared to other other parts, when I'm when 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 I'm hiring, you see that you know you do have to filter um, the kind of people that you you know even get to like an in, you know a face to face interview stage. So I think what we what we focus on is of course um, you know technical tests. Right. Um, to ensure that we judge people's, um, you know, uh, technical knowledge on different program uh, uh, languages that, you know, they need. Um, so there's obviously that skill assessment that we do. Um, the second level would then be a, a technical face to face round that would either involve, um, you know, like a pair programming exercise. Um, and then it would probably be either one or two technical face to face rounds. So focusing on different parts that are, in, you know, required for the job. Um, it would then have another another round that would focus on, um, you know, the growth in the organization. And then lastly, it would be uh, one of the most important parts is, of course, how do they fit culturally into, you know, into the team? And I think what we also like to do is that um, if, for example, we're hiring, um, if one of the candidates is a woman, then we ensure that we also have a woman on the panel of interviewers. So there is that, you know, sense of diversity and inclusiveness, you know, when, when you're interviewing. And and of course, you're not just hiring for roles in India. You've you're, you're hiring across multiple other countries as well. Yeah. Just give us an idea of the other locations that you're hiring into, and and maybe what are the challenges and differences you've seen hiring talent in those other regions? Yeah. Uh, this is this is something that I that I love talking about because it's it's so interesting when you're hiring for people in different locations because every location's culture is so different, right? For example, uh, the number of applications, like I was saying, in India will be much higher than the number of applications in the UK, for example, for a particular role, right? I mean, it depends on what that role is. Um, but when you, when you look at, um, it's not, so it's quantity versus quality as well, right? The chances of somebody in, in India, you might have to 
to go through like 50 applications for a data engineer uh, who fits what we want versus, uh, you know, screening uh, CVs in, in the UK where it would be more relevant to what, you know, what we need. Uh, the second layer of difference, I think, would be uh, the years of experience. Like when you're hiring for someone in Portugal, um, they might have started off as a business analyst and move to becoming a data engineer over like 12 years, okay? So in India, when you're hiring for a data engineer, you write down saying minimum five years or, you know, two to three years of experience for a data engineer versus Portugal where you don't write, you know, minimum years of experience, right? It's just relevance of experience um, to the role. I think the other difference is when you're... uh, making the offer to someone in India, right? Um, when you make an offer to someone in India, they have uh, four um, offers on hand, right? Because that's the volume of demand here. So the chances of them accepting your offer and actually joining is very different, you huh. know, versus... It's much lower. It's much lower versus the UK or Portugal when you're making an offer and the person accepts the offer, it's almost certain that they will join when they accept, right? So right. it's it's a lot of that, you know, the demand play in the market as well. Really interesting. So tell us a little bit about as it gets towards the final stages of, of interviews. Do you have any particular questions that you prefer to ask when it gets down to the final sort of stages? Asking for actual um your favorite interview questions that you like to ask really to get under the skin of whether or not this person could be the right hire? So I think, uh, so I, I mean, from a, from our hiring framework, which is actually very interesting, you know, we do focus a lot on the values, uh, you know, that we have. And these values aren't just like words, <laughs> you know, these are actually values where I think most of the people in the organization are around, right? Like when you say, uh, you know, Tudor means, um, you know, for the better good of the company, right? Uh, you know, doing it together. Um, so I think that's some value that we also question a lot of people and in terms of their mindset of how, you know, they would they would look at working, uh, you know, at Farfetch. Um, I think the second thing also is that, you know, when you're coming and working in a fast growth organization, you know, things are changing every day. Like we might be a company that's been 12 years old, but we're still, you know, have that startup mindset, which is actually very exciting because, you know, everyone's open to 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 doing things differently and learning from the people as well. Um, I think one of the, I think for me, when I ask questions, it's always very direct, right? Like when I was just talking about, um, you know, when you're hiring and you're not sure whether this person's going to join, you know, right. you, I always ask them, you know, how many offers do you have, you know, in hand right now? Um, it also determines how quickly, you know, we move on with the interview process, right? Um, it's also you know, a lot of people in, in when you're hiring, um, you know, in, in other locations like to understand uh, the clarity of your interview process. You know, how many more rounds do you have? You know, how many, um, you know, uh, people am I going to meet, you know, before before you come up with a decision? So I think giving that transparent, uh, you know, outlook in terms of the way the interview process is going to go is going to be very important. I don't think I have a particular question, though, that I can think of that, you know, I ask, which is which is my favorite question. But I think it's um, it's important that when you when you interview someone, you also start off with, you know, just asking them how they are. Right. Um, and, and understanding, you know, how you as an employee 
connect with that person you know you're interviewing i think that's uh, super important to understand how you know the next rounds are going to go because sometimes what happens is also that you know you might meet somebody who culturally fits in really well but then technically you know probably doesn't and that's what the other interview rounds are for right uh, but i think as the first screening round i think it's always important to understand how how you connect with that candidate um, you know who's who's talking to you and a point that you made earlier is is really valid right at, at, at a certain stage in a company's evolution they may require the certain skills of 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 an individual but as the company grows the skill set and what's needed to perform adequately in the job changes so, so so what's your approach to personal development skills development for an individual in a tech company such as farfetch that's growing so rapidly I think one of the questions I I do ask for that is, you know, how do you keep yourself up to date? Um especially when it comes to, you know, um, data engineering roles uh, or software engineering roles, right? So much is changing. Um you know, there's different tech stack that, you know, is is evolving, right? And you have to kind of understand are these candidates um upskilling themselves right sure. uh, when when uh, when they're you know even interviewing for a role uh, how interested and passionate they are about the data space i think that's another one that's that's super important and you know it it's clearly reflective when they are you know telling you how they keep themselves up to date right like are they part of hack- hackathons are they you know listening to uh, to you know podcasts in this space are they mm. listening you know are they reading blogs about you know the way things are changing i think the people that that showcase that are the ones that i think are are better at adapting themselves to an ever changing environment and and as as far as kind of methodologies or frameworks of hiring are concerned I, you know i've followed the silicon valley um sort of process for hiring amazing tech people and one school of thought is hire fast fire fast right get people in the door that are super talented let's see whether or not they can actually deliver on, in the job if they can great if they can't um let's let's get rid of them as opposed to a more slower methodical approach that has multiple rounds of interview across uh, uh, you know meeting multiple people within the organization what are the pros and cons of each and and what's your methodology what's your approach so so i mean this is personal i i wouldn't put this on on the organization as such but um i think for me it is you know start investing early right like you would rather hire someone at a junior level and sort of train them to build them up to that you know senior level um and especially in a market like india when i'm talking about india specifically it's always better to hire the smaller guys who are you know hungry for for work right they are so you have to look at you know someone and see do they have the potential to sort of you know grow with you in the organization um hire fast is definitely something that i don't believe in because you should take your time to hire the right people right um and this is what ends up happening to most you know especially when you look at startups right there is always this thing that you hear about oh you know this company is letting go of 100 people starting of 800 people right. and those are the companies that have hired fast right so they have you know gone through this uh, loop of you know like hiring 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 and then you know you you see that you know the, the repercussions like you know maybe months later when you're having right. to start firing them because you don't have mm. you know like it doesn't make business sense 
what I love, actually, even at, at Farfetch, I have to say this, I, I love the fact that we hire people for a reason, <laughs> you know, like there is a business strategy of, mm. um, you know, these are the roles that are required and this is what each person is going to do in that team. And that is why we need to hire them. And then there is an approval layer of whether this role should be open or not. And then you are hiring this person through this framework that we have, which is at different levels. So you're taking your time to make sure that you're hiring the right person for the role. Because when you do have somebody come on, there is that whole experience, right, of onboarding and, and bringing this person in. You don't want to bring someone in just for the sake of hiring because you want to fill this role in, you know, in, in, in two weeks, right? Like sometimes we take like three months, four months to hire someone uh, only because we're not finding the right person. So I think it's important to, um, you know, uh, hire the right people, not hire fast. And my final question, Tanya, what advice would you give to other senior execs listening to this now about how best to attract and keep the best talent for their for their tech businesses? Um, I think I, I spoke about this a little earlier as well. You know, for me, I think the first would be, of course, you know, be an inclusive company. You know, culture is super important. The way the organization is, uh, you know, how open you are to, you know, women in tech, how open you are to hiring women, how open you are to hiring people from diverse backgrounds, uh, you know, to make it a very interesting organization. I think that's, you know, you know, number one. The second thing, like I mentioned, is, of course, um, you know, investing in people early you know, hire people at, at, at a junior, mid-level and, and help them grow. Because the minute you hire seniors only at that level, then, you know, you're going to have to think about, you know, retention and you're going to have to think about, you know, salary increases. So I think, you know, growing, letting somebody grow with the organization is important. Um, and then, of course, there is salary, there's culture, there's flexibility. You know, I mean, today's day and age, you need to be a flexible organization. You need to have transparency in terms of your salaries and your levels um, and ensuring that, you know, as we work as in a geodiagnostic environment today where, you know, it doesn't matter which place you know, someone, you know, lives in, uh, there should be, you know, compensations at a global level. Uh, I think companies need to move towards that mindset so that, um, you know, people feel like, okay, we're working for one organization and, you know, it doesn't matter which part of the world we are in. Um, and I think, yeah, lastly, I think, you know, internet, international mobility is important. I mean, when you look at somebody living in even Portugal, for example, they'd probably love to come and work out of India, uh, you know, for a couple of months. So having that sort of environment environment where people can work in different locations, I think would be would be great. I think I mean personally this is something I would love to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you're not I think no. I think, you know, having having that in environment where you care for your people, um, you know, people need to be, you know, employees need to be people in the organization that matter and not just employees, right? Who are helping, you know, build the next thing. I think uh, that inclusivity and that mindset of um, of care and and, and transparency is important in an organization for you to grow. Well said. Great place to end. Tanya, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me, Nathan. It's been amazing. If you'd like to share any comments on this episode or any episode of Client Side, then find us online at fox.agency. If you'd like to appear as a guest on the show, then please email clientside at fox.agency. The people that make this show possible are Zoe Woodward, our executive producer, Hannah Teasdale is our podcast executive. 
Jennifer Brennan is our digital strategist, supported by Sophia Ravanis and Alice Winterburn, our social and digital experts. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Client Side from Fox Agency. Join us next time on Client Side, brought to you by Fox Agency.